When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Necrons. Kingdoms and civilizations throughout history constantly rise and fall, with the fall of one paving the way for the rise of another. The tale of the Necrons in Warhammer 40k isn't much different overall, except that they've had the chance to rise more than once. Overall, the Necrons are a threat to most other forms of life, determined to regain their former glory through bloodshed and death. The Necrons' ancient history is murky, to say the least, but let's take a look at their story, some of their technology, and their potential future. The Necrons are an ancient race, predating even the Eldar, although they were known as the Necrontier in those times. The Necrontier lived during the days of the Old Ones, an even older race of beings that had mastered the stars and were capable of easily stepping across the galaxy. In contrast, the Necrontier were isolated to a single harsh planet that was constantly blasted by solar winds and radiation storms from their sun. As a result of this, the Necrontier's lives were short and miserable, their bodies blighted by cancers and other illnesses, and their tombs were far larger than their cities. To escape this hellish existence, the Necrontier focused their efforts on taking to the stars. Eventually, they managed to build slow-moving spaceships and began to colonize other nearby systems. With little resistance in the galaxy and enough time, the Necrontier managed to spread out and expand their empire to much of the Milky Way. During their expansion, they of course came across the Old Ones and marveled at both their spacefaring capabilities as well as their longevity. The Necrontier still suffered from brutally short lives overall, and so they went to the Old Ones to ask for their secrets of immortality. The Old Ones, as you might expect, refused, creating a burning jealousy within the Necrontier. Regardless, life went on, and as is so often the case for massive empires, the Necrontier soon faced another problem, civil war. Although the Necrontier had been united in a singular goal of escaping their harsh existence, they had begun to separate into differing dynasties with their own goals. Thus began the Necrontier's first wars of secession, as they turned on one another, fighting for their independence from the rest. Given enough time, the Necrontier likely would have wiped each other out, and so something needed to intervene. For many years, the Necrontier had been ruled by a council of three, known as the Triarch, although the individuals holding those positions often changed due to their lifespans. The Triarch realized that the only way to end this civil war was if the Necrontier had an external enemy to fight instead of each other. The answer to this problem was simple then, as the Old Ones were the only species capable of putting up a fight, and the Necrontier already hated them making them an easy enemy. The Triarch declared war on the Old Ones, 
and offered amnesty to any dynasty that rejoined the fold and joined the war, which they of course did. The Necrontier therefore began the war in heaven, which would have massive repercussions for the entire species. The war in heaven was conflict on a galactic scale, as hordes of Necrontier took the fight to the old ones, causing suns to extinguish and worlds to be consumed. It became clear rather quickly, however, that despite the Necrontier starting the war and their rage driving them, they were no match for the old ones' superior technology, especially when it came to their mastery of space travel. The Necrontier were beaten back into the edges of the galaxy, their war instigated for nothing. Disharmony spread amongst the Necrontier once again, beginning another war of secession as the fragments of the civilization battled each other. The Old Ones could have easily wiped out the Necrontier entirely if they wished, and so the Triarch were again desperate for a solution to their problems. The answer came in the form of the Catan. The Catan are said to be the oldest entities in existence, formed from raw energy at the beginning of the universe. They spend their time blanketing their massive forms over stars, sucking the energy from them before moving on. During the Second Wars of Secession, the Necrontier happened to learn of the Catan, naming them as Star Gods. They recognized the power of these ancient entities, and the Triarch realized that they could be the solution to their problems with the Old Ones. The Necrontier crafted metal bodies for the Catan, giving them a physical form so they could understand and interact with the physical world. These bodies were crafted from a unique type of living metal used by the Necrontier called Necrodermis, capable of growing and healing itself. The Catan, previously massive entities of energy given physical form, began to understand the various pleasures of the physical world compared to the tastelessness of their prior existence. The Necrontier revered the Catan as godlike entities, but also treated them as their slaves. They used the raw power of the Catan to arm themselves with new weaponry and spaceships, and continued their war with the Old Ones. The Catan were only too happy to spur on this war, as they hungered for souls and life energy, and a massive war was the best way to satisfy that hunger. The Necrontier were of course betrayed and deceived, however, primarily by one Catan known appropriately as the Deceiver. The Catan promised the Necrontier the answer to their problems of mortality, telling them to cast off their physical bodies and replace them with living metal bodies. With the weakness of flesh discarded, the Necrontier would be free to crush the Old Ones and conquer the universe. The Triarch agreed, and so the process began, as countless Necrontier marched into bio-furnaces, transferring their energies into metal bodies. Above each furnace, however, the Catan hovered, feasting on the discarded souls of the Necrontier. The Necrontier became known as the Necrons, no longer hindered by any of their previous physical ailments, but also lacking their souls. The Necrons were now cold, unfeeling metal monsters, but despite this betrayal, they were united in their goal of wiping out the Old Ones, encouraged by their new physical strength. Additionally, the leader of the Triarch, 
the Silent King, had introduced a command protocol into all of the Necrons during the process that allowed him to control all of them, giving the Necrons a degree of unity they had never possessed previously. The War in Heaven continued in earnest then, and the united Necrons and Catan crushed the Old Ones, breaking into every corner of their civilization. During the final stages of the war, the Necrons turned against the Catan as retribution for their betrayal. Although the Catan are unable to be fully destroyed due to their unique nature, the Necrons did manage to shatter them into fragments. These shards of the Catan were secured away in pocket dimensions, contained within tesseracts. Despite their two victories, the Necrons were weakened, and they realized their goal of conquering the universe would have to wait, as the Eldar species was on the rise now. In time, all flesh would eventually decay, but the Necrons could wait as long as necessary. A great number of worlds were converted into massive underground tomb complexes, and as his final order, the Silent King commanded the Necrons to sleep for 60 million years and then rise to reclaim the galaxy. The Silent King himself, however, went into exile as penance for dooming the Necron Tyr as he had. Time, of course, ticked on as millions of years passed by and other civilizations rose and fell. Over the course of 60 million years, a great number of the Necron's tomb worlds would fall or fail for some reason or another. Attempting a stasis sleep for that length of time, even for the Necrons, was tricky, and a number of mechanical systems would end up failing during that time. Some failures were small, causing Necrons to wake up earlier or later than expected, while other failures were far more catastrophic. Some tomb worlds fell to the Eldar, who were capable of bypassing the tomb's defenses, while many others were destroyed by natural causes such as tectonic shifts, or nearby stars going supernova. Due to this, the Necrons did not wake up as one massive civilization capable of sweeping the galaxy, but as a more fragmented species. Necrons began to wake and found far more enemies than when they had gone to sleep, including the Imperium of Man, the Forces of Chaos, Tyranids, Orcs, Tau, and of course, the Eldar. Necrons lack the unity they had under the Silent King, and there are a number of dynasties operating in the 41st millennium, whose leaders express different personalities and methods of reconquering the galaxy. The Silent King himself returned after encountering the Tyranids outside of the Milky Way and realizing the threat they posed. He has been operating largely incognito, attempting to awaken as many Necrons as possible to reunite the civilization and destroy the Tyranids before they wipe out everything. A notable encounter between the Silent King's army and the Blood Angel's space marines led to them working together to fight off a Tyranid horde. Most Necrons are little more than automatons, their minds degraded and their souls absent, leaving them as mindless soldiers working for their leaders. The higher-ranking Necrons, such as the Pharons that control dynasties, or the Overlords that rule clusters of tomb worlds for their Pharon, have retained more of their mental capabilities and personalities, 
Necrons themselves are fearsome foes, as their necrodermis bodies are heavily resistant to damage, can self-repair grievous injuries, and are capable of teleporting back to nearby tomb worlds if near death. Here, their minds are transferred into a fresh new body, which does degrade the mind somewhat, but makes Necrons incredibly difficult to permanently kill. Necrons primarily utilize Gauss weaponry in combat, capable of breaking down a target into its component molecules, essentially vaporizing flesh, metal, and anything else it comes into contact with. In many instances, Necron technology is to Eldar technology as Eldar technology is to human technology. That is to say, it's generally the most advanced technology in Warhammer 40k, although this is often inconsistent for plot or rules reasons. They are sometimes capable of creating pocket dimensions on a whim, remotely detonating entire stars, phasing out of existence, and so on. As always though, this depends on the author. Necrons are a rather interesting facet of 40k, and one of my personal favorite species, combining robotics, zombification, super advanced technology, and a bit of Egyptian culture. While many Necrons in the 41st millennium are focused on conquering everything they can see, the flip side of the Silent King working to stop the Tyranids alongside everyone else is also pretty interesting. The Necrons have a lot of room to grow, as countless billions of the species are still sleeping, waiting to awaken. While some species are struggling and might be on the decline, the Necrons have only just begun. <laughs>